Today on the Matt Wall Show, the organizers of a sex camp for children are now allegedly in hiding because of, quote, right-wing harassment from the likes of Ben Shapiro and yours truly and others. According to the media, just because you hold masturbation workshops for kids doesn't mean you can't be a victim, too. Also, speaking of victims, fake victims anyway, Jesse Smollett is released from jail, proving that few people are more privileged in this culture than someone who is gay, black, rich, and famous. Also, a children's hospital gives advice on tucking for kids. Now, if you don't know what that is, you're going to find out today and probably hate me for telling you. And a popular new song worships Ukrainian President Zelensky as a Christ figure who has come to save the world. What's the problem with this kind of over-the-top adulation of a political figure during wartime or anytime? We'll talk about all that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show. You know, we know that inflation is out of control right now, and it's really hurting. It's hurting everybody in America. And one area where we see inflation more than ever is in the grocery store. Even though grocery prices feel like they've doubled, Good Ranchers prices have stayed low and affordable. Once you subscribe, your price never goes up. Your best price is locked in for life. Don't pay a premium for low-quality foreign meat. Shop Good Ranchers for all of your beef, chicken, and seafood needs. Good Ranchers only sells 100% American meat from local farms and ranches. They have signature steak burgers. Uh, they've, they've, they've got all kinds of meat that's packed with flavor. I've tried this stuff myself. I've had, I think, almost everything that they have to offer, and um, I haven't been disappointed by any of it. Their pre-trimmed and pre-marinated chicken breasts are absolutely delicious and so easy to prepare as well. Plus, their packaging makes it easy to cook what you want and save the rest, which keeps you from wasting anything and also keeps you from wasting money. We all need to make sure we're saving as much money as we can. So get your $30 discount on prime steaks and better than organic chicken today. Go to goodranchers.com walsh to save on the quality you've been looking for, Good Ranchers takes the guesswork out of the grocery store by sourcing everything from local farms and shipping it to your door. Use my code Walsh and enjoy your box of 100% American meat and your $30 savings. Order now to combat inflation with Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. So when Biden announced his Supreme Court pick, Kentanji Brown-Jackson, the media and the Democrats were quick to hail her as a highly qualified, irreproachable candidate who should be immediately confirmed because there's nothing to ask her or find out about her other than the fact that she is simply wonderful in every way. Now, as expected, some Republicans joined in this chorus as well, celebrating Jackson for her stellar resume, even though the most important thing on her resume, as far as Biden was concerned, was her gender and her skin color. All in all, the consensus from D.C. seemed to be that this nominee is perfect, unassailable, and there's nothing else to see here, folks. Well, it turns out there was a little bit more to see. At least Senator Josh Hawley decided to buck the trend and do a bit of homework on Kentanji Brown-Jackson. What he discovered was quite disturbing, disturbing especially because it's part of a larger trend. Now, in a series of tweets last night, Hawley revealed, quote, Judge Jackson has a pattern of letting child porn offenders off the hook for their appalling crimes, both as a judge and as a policymaker. She's been advocating for it since law school. This goes beyond soft on crime. I'm concerned that this is a record that endangers our children. As far back as her time in law school, Judge Jackson has questioned making convicts register as sex offenders, saying it leads to stigmatization and ostracism. She suggested public policy is driven by a climate of fear, hatred, and revenge against sex offenders. Now, I will say for the record, um, taking a pause here for a moment, that, that I actually agree that we should get rid of the sex offender registry but that's only because anybody dangerous enough to be on the registry should still be in prison. Okay, the registry only exists because the courts are releasing predators and pedophiles into our communities who they, the courts, know are a danger to the public. So rather than writing their names on a list and putting another little red dot on a map, these people should just be kept in their cages to begin with. And then we don't have to worry about it. 
It's absurd that the legal system would actually label somebody a high-risk sex offender and then proceed to send them into our neighborhoods. They could put a stamp on someone saying, high-risk high risk sex offender, okay, you can go now. Get rid of the sex offender registry by extending prison sentences. That's, that's my position. Though Jackson wants to get rid of it for much the opposite reason. Uh, now back to Holly. It says, Judge Jackson has also questioned sending dangerous sex offenders to civil commitment. We have a civil commitment law in Missouri, and it protects children. It gets worse. As a member of the U.S. Sentencing Commission, Judge Jackson advocated for drastic changes in how the law treats sex offenders by eliminating the existing mandatory minimum sentences for child porn. Judge Jackson has said that some people who possess child porn are in this for either the collection or the people who are loners and find status in their participation in the community. What community would that be? The community of child exploiters? Judge Jackson has opined that there may be a type of, quote, less serious child pornography offender whose motivation is not sexual, but, quote, is the challenge or to use the technology. A, quote, less serious child porn offender? In her time on the U.S. Sentencing Commission, Judge Jackson said that she, quote, mistakenly assumed that child pornography offenders are pedophiles, and she wanted to, quote, understand this category of non-pedophiles who obtain child pornography. Non-pedophiles who obtain child pornography. That's like, what, non-drunk drivers who happen to be driving while intoxicated. Holly continues on uh, for many other more tweets, revealing many more sordid details about this highly qualified judge. But I think you get the idea. Uh, she believes that some people caught with child porn aren't even pedophiles, and they might just be collectors. But no different from someone who collects baseball cards or stamps, maybe. Her, re her uh, reference to pedophiles as a community is extremely disturbing because this is the classic thing. This is the classic move by people who wish to normalize or excuse any sort of deviant behavior. It always begins by turning the deviants into a community. That's always the first step. They're a community. A bunch of individual predators and perverts, you know, they can be condemned. But a community, well, you can't say anything bad about a community. You know, the, the people that nobody has any interest in excusing or validating or legitimizing, we don't talk about them as communities. Like, nobody talks about the serial killer community. No one says that, even though there are multiple serial killers in, in the world. But we don't talk about them as a community. The word community is used when there is an effort to validate and generate sympathy. That's the idea. And this, again, is part of a larger trend. As we've seen, there are many groomers and predators on the left and many more who say that we should have sympathy for these kinds of people. Speaking of which, you may remember last week when we discussed the, quote, sexy summer camp for children hosted by a group of disgusting perverts in Kentucky. As uncovered by Chris Ruffo, the camp, meant for people of all ages, including kids, has lessons on sex liberation, gender exploration, BDSM, being a sex worker, self-managed abortions, and sexual activity while using licit and illicit drugs. The itinerary for the camp shows that the very first workshop on the first day is a lesson on self-pleasure, which includes a, quote, hands-on masturbation demonstration. One of the women who hosted the camp has been an outspoken advocate for childhood masturbation for years. You probably remember the video that we played uh, last week where she talks about this, but if you didn't watch last week and maybe you don't remember, unfortunately, I'm going to have to play it again. And here it is. 
you know, like get down with yourself, explore your own body. Masturbation is really healthy and I recommend it to people of all ages, all ages. As soon as my nephews could talk, they were doing that. That's what they were doing. Kids touch themselves. Kids start to ask questions and we teach them the language for their bodies, right? That's your nose, touch your nose, show Aunt T, you can touch your nose. But my sister's not saying that when they're tugging at their penis, right? But it feels good, right? We have to learn ways to talk to young people about this so that they know how to explore their body consensually so that it's not in public, right? We don't want people exploring their bodies in public. That's not consensual. But exploring your body at any age, grandmas, grandpas, all of us. Uh, you know, we, we see a lot there. One of the things we see, uh, part, part of this, is this uh, female privilege. Because I tell you something, if that was just a dude talking about, you know, as a, like an uncle, talking about how he uh, has, likes to talk to his nieces and nephews about uh, masturbating, there would be universal agreement that this guy is a pedophile and a predator and needs to be put in prison and kept away from kids. Now, there should obviously be universal agreement on this too. But there isn't. You know, there's, there's agreement really just on one side of the aisle. As I discovered when I called this out on my show, uh, and so did many people on the right, to include Ben Shapiro, some Fox hosts like Laura Ingram. Lo and behold, turns out, and as I saw last night, that we as the critics of the sex camp for kids have become the bad guys. And, um, and the groomers giving masturbation demonstrations to children, they're the helpless victims. The feminist website Jezebel published this report uh, with the headline, a group of sex ed teachers are afraid for their lives amid right-wing harassment campaign. Now, I should note that I found out about this article because I was tagged in a post by the Catholics for Choice page on Twitter linking to this article with their caption, which said, this is horrifying and sadly more and more common as right-wing extremists continue to feel more and more emboldened to target others with their vitriolic hatred. Shame on Laura Ingram, Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh, and everyone else bullying these teachers. Now, it's no surprise that the heretics who call themselves Catholic while whoring themselves out for the abortion industry would take the side of groomers. That doesn't surprise me at all. As for the article, it says, quote, a group of sex education teachers in Appalachia are afraid for their lives, so much so that they're having to hide in safe houses after Christopher Rufo, the right-wing acti activist credited by The New Yorker for effectively, quote, inventing the conflict surrounding critical race theory, has now set his sights on exposing their program. Since the thread was published, the program was featured on the Ingram Angle, was called out in an advertisement for a populist conservative think tank, and has attracted the attention of a slew of well-known conservatives like Ben Shapiro and Matt Walsh. Now program staffers have been doxxed on Twitter with a user on social media link likening them to witches, predators, and pedophiles and calling for their arrest. The online attacks have become so prevalent that they've recently been forced to seek refuge at a safe house, a source close to the women told Jezebel, and an allied local pro-abortion organization has also created a spreadsheet to track threats of violence and death against the staff. By the way, why do you think the abortion, you got Catholics for Choice, a pro-abortion organization, why are they so invested in this? Do you think about that? Why are they so invested in sexualizing children? Why do they care? Planned Parenthood, abortion industry is very invested in this. Why is that? A part of it is that they hate kids. Uh, they despise children. They kill them. They see children as as uh, not just just 
things to be exploited, but also because um, the more that they can encourage sexual activity younger and younger, then the more customers they're going to have. To clarify something else, some of these women, um, you know, we're accused of calling them witches, but actually these women call themselves witches. Now, I probably would have still called them witches because they are, even if they didn't identify as such, but um, that's irrelevant. Now, back to the article. It says, since last Tuesday, Sexy Sex Ed, uh, our, this is a, a, qu- a quote now from the group. Since last Tuesday, sec- Sexy Sex Ed, our educators and our funders have been flooded with hundreds of threatening messages across all platforms, the group wrote in a statement on their website. We recognize that the current misinformation attack against Sexy Sex Ed is part of a long-term, highly funded and coordinated strategy of the right to maintain and entrench their power through media and narrative control. Now, the statement from the sex camp workers is lengthy and calls me out by name along with Rufo and Ben Shapiro. Um, I can't speak for those other two, but I'm quite sure that they would join me in laughing hysterically at the very idea that we owe these women an apology or any sort of sympathy at all. I also don't believe, by the way, that they got the kind of threats that would require them to go to safe houses. I don't believe that. Okay, I just don't believe it. Um, I get threats all the time much more than they do, and I've never fled to a safe house because of them. Now, regardless, I don't condone threats or violence, but the general anger directed at these predators is due entirely to their own actions. Nobody forced them to hold masturbation and BDSM workshops for kids. They had to think of that in their own dark, twisted, little disgusting brains and make the choice to put their bizarre fantasies into practice. What they didn't expect is that anybody outside of their community, their community, quote unquote, of weirdo perverts would notice or hold them accountable. But this is what evil does. When it's exposed, it shrinks away, scurries off to the corner like cockroaches, plays the victim, manipulates, woe is me. It's a dishonest game and a repulsive tactic. It means we're pointing the light exactly where it needs to be. Now let's get to our five headlines. Well, with the ever-increasing numbers of car makes and models, it's basically impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. So that's why there's no reason to go and just walk around aimlessly looking for the vehicle that you need. And then you have to go and talk to the counterman and order the parts uh, on his computer anyway. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? Uh, There's no reason to do that. Rockauto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything that you might need from engine control modules and brake parts. They've got motor oil, new carpet, everything you could possibly need. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and write Walsh in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. All right. Um, I, I also love the uh, the claim that we, we engaged in misinformation. We know that that word, like so many other words, pretty much any word that the left commonly uses, it, it, they all... 
the fact that they're using it so often means that they've removed it of all meaning because uh, they never use any words as they're supposed to be used. So misinformation is one of those. And we're accused of a, a misinformation campaign. Literally what, what Chris Rufo did is he, he, he found their actual program and videos of them speaking and said, here's what's happening. Here's their actual program from their sex camp for kids. And it, it's a list at all. A very, uh, you know, just right, right there. You can read it. This is the first workshop, the second. And so for him to take that and say, look, everybody, here's this thing, this thing that's happening. Uh, much of which they got from their own website. That, that's misinformation now. Right. Um, let's start with this from CNN. Jussie Smollett was released from jail Wednesday night after an Illinois co- appeals court granted an emergency motion by his defense attorney. Smollett's legal team is looking to delay his sentence and grant him bond until their appeal of his conviction is decided on. The former Empire actor was sentenced last week to 30 months of felony probation, including 150 days in jail. Um, and... Uh, including some restitution as well. Quote, there's no room for politics in our court system, defense attorney Nenya Uche said in a news conference shortly after the actor's release. Regardless of what you think about this case, the real question is, should black men be walked into jail for a class four felony? That's a disgrace, the attorney added. Um, and uh, you get to the reason for this release. There isn't, there, there, there wasn't much reason given Um by the court for why they're releasing Jesse Smollett for, from prison. We know the real reason, which we'll get to in a second. Um, as far as any reason, what they what they basically say is that, uh, well, the appeal is going to take a long time, and it's only 150 days in jail, so uh, he'll he'll he's appealing the sentence, and by the time the appeal's decided, the sentence will be over anyway. So we're just going to let him out of jail. By that logic, well, I guess we're never going to send anybody to jail again for. Six-month sentences, I guess, are out the window now because that's always going to be the case that if you appeal it, uh, the appeal will take longer than the sentence. So is that what that means? We can't we can't send anybody to jail for, for that amount of time? This only further affirms what, what I said immediately after the sentence was passed down. And there were people talking about, even people who, who were happy that he was going to jail were saying, oh, that's a pretty harsh sentence. Uh, you know, it, No, it, it should have been much more than that. He should have been looking at 5, 10, 15 years for all the reasons that we've talked about. Given that he's, given that he's unrepentant, um, given the just sociopathic nature of the, everything that went into the premeditation, as I pointed out many times, the fact that he was, he was willing to let innocent people take the fall for him, um, all of that, perjured himself on the stand, you know, was was trying to inflame racial tensions. Would have been fine if there was a if there was a riot in Chicago over this. He would not only would he have been fine with it. He was he would have been happy about it. He probably was upset that there was no riot. That's yet another thing that makes him a victim is that people weren't rioting over it. So you take all that into consideration, you could easily justify the max prison sentence, which would have been as the sentencing judge admitted, fifteen years, and he should have gotten all fifteen years. And then at least they can't release him from jail on the excuse that the appeal will take longer than the sentence. Uh, but now he's out of jail and his defense attorney says, well, should we be, should we be marching? Should we, should we be walking uh, black men into jail for class four felonies? L- let me a- answer that question for you, if I could. The answer is uh, yes. Why shouldn't we be? 
why shouldn't we be walking black men into jail for class four felonies? But the law stipulates that you can go to jail for those kinds of crimes. Now, you notice the only thing that the defense attorney is worried about is black men. So white men, we can march. Yeah, well, they can go to jail. But black men? How dare we put black men in jail? He's almost admitting, just by saying that, he's almost admitting what we all know to be true anyway. That despite all the talk about white privilege and everything else, there is privilege in this country. There's no question about it. There are people who are privileged in in many different ways. You know, there's the basic kind of privilege that comes with being wealthy and having a lot of money and being famous. Justice Millett has all that. There's also the privilege that comes tied to identity. There is racial privilege. There is identity-based privilege. And it's privilege that you, ex- you, you experience in the culture, in society, by, through social advantages, and you also experience it in the courtroom. But we're not giving that privilege out to white people unless they can claim some other privileged identity for them. Now, a white person who says he's gay or trans, sure, he'll, he'll get some privilege. But the reality is that Jesse Smollett, as a black, gay, rich, famous person, is almost as privileged as you can possibly get. And that's exactly how he's gotten away with all of this. Got away with doing all of this and getting on the stand and perjuring himself, lying to the court for hours on end, which the sentencing judge mentioned that and pretended to be upset about it. That's almost as privileged as you could possibly get in our society today. The only thing that would make Jesse Smollett more privileged is if he was trans. That's the one thing. That's the one advantage, the one card he hasn't played yet. Yet. I mean, emphasis on yet. And maybe my guess is that now that he's out of jail and all the legal problems are going to be put behind him, you know, the next thing that he's going to want is he's going to want to get back into Hollywood and start starring in films again. And I think they'll, and I, I think he'll have no problem doing that. But if he really wants to make sure that Hollywood embraces him and he can get his whole life back and maybe even benefit from this in the end, uh, then just come out as trans. So that's my guess. In the next couple of years, Jesse Smollett. Jesse Smollett will become Jessica Smollett in the next couple of years. That is my uh, my my guess. Maybe Jesse is already a gender-neutral name, so he doesn't even need to change it. It's, all, it's, all, it's already all set up for him. Okay, this is from the Daily Wire. It says, Dorn Becker Children's Hospital in Portland, which bills itself as Oregon's top-ranked uh, children's hospital, boasts a gender clinic which offers advice for the safe tucking of a boy's genitals out of the way, quote-unquote, that can make, quote, the genital area look smoother and flatter, as well as a referral to a, quote, sex-positive shop in Portland. They sell gender-affirming clothes items as well as sex toys, videos, and more. So there's a children's hospital referring children to a sex shop while also giving them tips on tucking. What's that all about? Well, the resource on safe tucking from the gender clinic states, quote, Safe tucking. What is tucking? Tucking is moving the penis testicles or both out of the way. This makes the genital area look smoother and flatter. Tucking can reduce any concerns you have about your body, how your clothes fit, and how safe you feel in public. 
People of all genders can tuck. There are several different methods of tucking. The information below helps you tuck in ways that are safe for your body. According to the hospital's website, it works in cooperation with the uh, Oregon Health and Science University Transgender Health Program. Uh, the OHSU logo is also emblazoned on the safe tucking handout. The handout cautions, quote, a note on the words we use. This information uses the words penis, scrotum, and testicles. We know you may not use those terms or identify with them. We use them here to refer to body parts that people with tucking needs have. People with tucking needs. While understanding those words are not for everyone. The resource advises, it is best to tuck for the first time when you're planning to be at home. This keeps you from stressing about having to get, get it right the first time. It's also easier to learn what your body needs to be comfortable when you tuck. Choose a method that feels comfortable for, to you. And I, can't, I just can't even keep reading this. Absolutely revolting. And this is a children's hospital. This is, you, you hear me talk about this issue all the time because you, you know that I believe that um, gender ideology and especially its effects on kids, this, this is probably the number one issue we face as a society right now. Um, but even as much as I talk about it, if you listen to the show, I, you, you still probably don't quite comprehend just how bad this is, how widespread this madness is, um, how ubiquitous, how ingrained it has become. I don't think anyone, I mean, even I can't fully comprehend it because I'm, I'm living through it. And it's the kind of thing that you can't fully understand. It's like a, it's a historical, you know, anytime you're living through a historical period or, or some sort of historical event, you, 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 the people who are in it can't, they don't have the view of it that you have when you're later, when you can look back. Um, and so even for me, it's, it's, it's impossible to fully comprehend what we are doing to ourselves and especially to our kids. I mean, what this, this generation that we're raising right now, what is, what, what's this generation going to look like in 30 years? How many of them are still going to be here? Because a huge portion, I'll tell you one thing we're going to see, and we're already starting to see now, and it's only going to get worse, mass suicide epidemic among these kids. Who, who we have taken, and when I say we, I mean society, has, has taken and uh, forced an identity crisis onto them. And completely, from the youngest ages, completely morphed and deformed their, their concept of themselves. And put them on a path towards destroying and rejecting their own bodies. To a point where eventually they're going to look back and so much damage has been done that can't be undone. And they're going to say, who am I? What am I? What have, what have I done? What have you all as the adults allowed me to do? What have you done to me? And we're, we're going to see a, a wave of despair and suicide unlike anything the world has ever seen before. Again, we're already seeing it. It's only going to get worse. The wave is going to become a tsunami. And don't, don't comfort yourself by saying, well, this is a children's hospital in Oregon. It's not the only children's hospital, but it's a children's hospital. A hospital telling kids to do this. 
I don't think I need to get into an explanation of why giving tucking tips to little boys is um, reprehensible and disgusting and, and horrible. I mean, one of the reasons is that is, you know, you, we are encouraging our kids, again, to reject themselves, reject their own bodies. It's really the exact opposite of the message that most of us grew up with, especially you know, in the millennial generation. Back when I was a kid, and none of this stuff existed. Nobody was talking about any of this. But back then, there was this huge emphasis on embracing yourself and loving yourself and your own body. An emphasis that, that oftentimes went, went way overboard and went into the realm of you know, narcissism and encouraging uh, people to be sort of self-obsessed. But at least it was on the right path. Okay, we, 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 Sometimes it went too far and we didn't go about it the right way all the time, but it was the right path where you're at least telling people, okay, this is who you are. This is your body. It's the only one you're ever going to get. So you should accept that. Accept who you are. Uh, you should love who you are. Love the body that God has given you. The message now for kids is exactly the opposite of that. And I'll tell you something else. Um, the people who see this kind of thing are giving tucking tips to kids in a children's hospital. The people who see this and approve of it, uh, I don't want to share a country with them. I don't want to be united with them. They are not my brothers and sisters. In, the, in this country, they're not my friends. I don't want to be their friends. I, I, I don't even want to be cordial towards them. We can't even be cordial. Like if you're around me and I know that you're that kind of person who would approve of something like this, I can't respect you as a human being. I don't want to be near you. I don't want to have a conversation with you about anything. You disgust me. You are an evil, twisted, sick person. That's where we are in this country. And uh, I don't see how it gets any better. All right, let's see. What else do we got here? Um, we'll play this for you. This week, the Senate Committee on Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions voted on an amendment that would block the government from enforcing mask usage and vaccines for preschoolers and toddlers. I want to play this clip for you quickly and just listen to this and uh, tell me what you hear. And next we have Braun Amendment Number 8 to prohibit HHS from implementing or enforcing their regulations regarding mask or vaccination protections in the Head Start program. Again, I will be a no on this. Does anyone want Senator Braun's 15 seconds? Seeing none, clerk will call the roll. Senator Romney. No. Yeah, there's Senator Romney with the, uh, with the no, which means that he's, he, he doesn't want to stop the government from forcing masks and vaccines on toddlers. He's, he's in favor of doing that as a, as a Republican. This is the Republican Party. All right, moving on uh, quickly. Another clip I want to play for you before we get to the comment section. Um, I don't exactly know why, but we, got, we, we need a little bit of levity here. We need something a little bit less serious. So Kim Kardashian was, you can't get less serious than that. She was on with Ellen, and apparently Ellen DeGeneres still has a show. I thought that she got r run out of town and her show was canceled, but apparently not. She's been doing a show, and she was um, interviewing Kim Kardashian, talking about her 
a wonderful romance with Pete Davidson. And this is what she said. Listen. There's a tattoo that says Kim. Um, yeah, he has a few tattoos, a few cute ones, you know, that he got. Um, but this one is a, it's not that one. The Kim one isn't a tattoo. It's actually a branding, like a branding. Because, let me explain it. Because he wanted to do something that was really different. Because, like, okay, first tattoo he got, I was like, oh, so cute. Thank you. Oh, my God. So, you know, second, whatever. I'm like, oh, that's so cute. But, like, that's what tattoo people do, right? Like, they get tattoos of what's going on in their life. And Wait, back so up, I was like, back am up. I back up. special? You said first tattoo. So he has three tattoos of you? Just, well, it sounds know. like this is, like, the third. <laughs> so the first tattoo A was, you said, kind of cute. So yeah. Is it uh, your name or is it like a little... The branding is my name. Right. The yeah. other ones are like cutesy things. I think my favorite one, it says here, it says my girl is a lawyer. Is she a lawyer? Is Kim Kardashian a lawyer? That's, and there's a lot of information coming out on the show that I don't think anyone wanted to know. One of them is that Kim Kardashian somehow has a, a law degree, apparently. So Kanye West is the mentally ill one here. And yet Pete Davidson is getting branded with his girlfriend's name. And Kanye West is a problem, though. Here's the, here's the proper response when you're dating someone and they get a tattoo of your name. It's just as soon as it's, it's a real it's a real simple thing. You're dating someone and uh, they say you're, you're sitting down with them somewhere and they say, hey, check out this tattoo. I got it's your name. All you do very simply is you, you just get up. And you walk away and never talk to that person ever again. Um, now they get three tattoos and that even and a branding even more so. That would be that would be the proper response. But of course, Kim Kardashian's a, a herself a raging narcissist, obviously. So she thinks, well, yeah, of course you're going to get branded. The whole world should be branded with my name, as far as she's concerned. All right, um, one other quick headline. This is from the New York Post. It says a comet. 16 miles wide is heading towards Earth. That's the headline. So this is not the this is different from the one that was the the size of a giraffe or, the, or rather a half giraffe. This is one that's 16 miles wide and uh, it's it's heading towards Earth. My question is when I read this, the first thing that I thought, I know you had the same thought. I know for you know many people in the media, of course, had this thought, but the first thing I thought, 60 mile wide comet heading towards Earth, how is this going to affect the LGBT community? Like marginalized communities are going to be disproportionately impacted. That's my main concern by this earth-destroying comet. Turns out, by the way, that when you uh, when you click on the article, that it's the comet is heading towards Earth, but it's just gonna it's gonna orbit around and then go somewhere else. So it's not actually going to hit the Earth. Just another clickbait, another clickbait uh, asteroid article. It gets all all of our hopes up, as usual. Let's get to the comment section. All right, dailywire.com slash sweetbabycomments. Do we have anything worth watching from there? Let's try clip seven. Hey, sweet daddy. So I'm getting ready to watch your show. And yesterday, I did a little search on uh, Ernest Shackleton because I was so inspired the other day. And uh, knowing how much my public school education had failed me, I am going to um, continue the journey on my own and read this book, but I noticed 
this uh, nice little comment on Audible uh, from Matthew in 04 saying, I listen to this one in the car on my way to and from work each day. As the end approached, I would sit in my car and listen. I couldn't bring myself to turn off the player. I even cried twice. I never cry. Just wondering if that's you. Hmm. Anyways, uh, have a good show today. Oh, one more thing. I uh, purple nurpled my husband until he called you sweet daddy. So, yeah. Sweet baby gang for life. Uh, the bit at the end there was just, well, that's, that's when we get into the TMI range. I'm not sure that I needed that. Actually, I thought, see, I, this is written on the clip sheet. It says, uh, did you write this Amazon review? So I thought it was going to be a review for my own book, Johnny the Walrus. It would be a good pl- product placement. But anyway, uh, no, I, I, look, this is not, it's not, it, it is, a, it's an affecting book. Um, it's a good book. But we've gone through the list, the appropriate reasons for men to cry, and um, a, a book didn't make the list. Unless we're talking about the Bible, I, I have to allow it for that. If you're overcome, even there, don't overdo it. But if you're reading the Bible and the Spirit is moving you, then I, I, can't, then I, just, I can't judge you for that without incurring uh, the wrath of the Almighty. So I'll allow it for that, but no other book. All right. I'm being told that clip nine is good. Is it good? It's a minute and 27 seconds. You're telling me this is good. Okay, I'm, McKenna's in my ear right now promising me that this one minute, 27 second clip will actually be good. So she's on the hook here. Okay, let's watch. Hey, Mr. Boss, okay. it's me. It's Uncle Murray. You know, I, I was looking through your store and I didn't see no little Mad Walsh figurines or something from my dashboard. So I thought, okay, I guess I'm going to have to make one myself. I figured I'd carve my own little Daddy Matty out of a stick of wood. Here, watch, I'll show you. See, that's going to be you. You got your leprechaun hat for St. Patrick's Day. Okay, here we go. Well, that's the rough out of you. If your tools are sharp enough, you can go in sideways like a ninja. If I don't trim that off, it'll look like you got... Okay, we, does he actually carve the thing? What's he carving? From your tushy all the way down. That he actually carves me. Can we fast forward to the end where I see <laughs> myself? Now I'm working leprechaun, and you let your beard grow out a little manlier, right? Wow, this that's, is that you. is actually like, impressive. I can't, I can't even tell the difference. Listen. Hello, okay. I'm Matt Walsh. I like right. beer and Stop. whiskey, and I hate... Okay. I, okay, fine. I'm, I am. A, we didn't need a minute and twenty-seven seconds of that, but he actually carved that whole thing, huh? That 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 takes talent. I'll give him that. But please, stop sending your comments in. All the same. Uh, let's see. Sydney Mar- Mercedes says, "Matt, you're banned if you if you make us listen to that song about Zelensky. That's cruel and unusual punishment." Well, as you know, if I have to endure these things, so do you. So stay tuned for the daily cancellation. Curly says, uh, Matt, evolution only occurs within a species, not between species. Herschel was entirely correct. Well, he wasn't because he misstated what the theory is. And that was my point yesterday, is that uh, if you want to take this on you know, as a Christian, as a political candidate, for some reason, you feel like you got to talk about evolution. Um, you want to take on this issue. You, you need to at least understand what the theory is, especially if you're going to take the skeptical side of it. Uh, because if you misrepresent what it is, then... What you're not achieving anything. You're just going to get mocked, and no, no one's going to listen to your critique, and uh, and all of that. So he he just he didn't understand what the theory actually states, uh, and that's the problem. Heart for kids says, "I love how you drop 
draw a sharp breath and then say, all right, when transitioning from one headline to the next, it's sweet. Now you just made me feel weird about it. I can't even, now I just feel straight. I feel weird about so many things that have happened in the last five minutes. Uh, Brian Bauer says, I was about to unsubscribe when Matt said he didn't approve of the daylight savings time change, but I didn't realize they were talking about keeping it permanently in place. Once again, I should always realize whenever I think that Matt is talking about a subject, uh, I should wait to hear what his correct assessment is before continuing with life. Well, thanks, Brian, for pointing that out, because there were a lot of people in the comments that were disagreeing with me. Um, and because they they didn't understand, again, they didn't understand what, 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 what Congress had done. They didn't abolish daylight savings time. They have made it permanent. It, so they've taken this failed government policy, and they've said that now we're stuck with it forever. Abolishing it would be good. They did the opposite of that. And finally, Sean says, only Matt Walsh would get this worked up over daylight savings time. You're going to give yourself an aneurysm, bro. That's my charm, though. If I have any charm at all, it's about, it's because I get worked up about insignificant things, isn't it? Tonight is Ben's third Thursday book club, and you've still got a chance to sign up if you haven't yet. He'll be taking members through his analysis of A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens. Remember, this is a live experience where you get to engage with him like never before. Here's the thing. Even if you haven't read the book, you'll feel well-read by the time you're done. If anyone should be serving as your guide when it comes to the most important works of literature in existence, it's Ben. Uh, when you sign up, you'll also get his notes, which is a cheat sheet to important lessons, themes, and characters. And remember, you're doing all this with thousands of Daily Wire members live. And uh, again, the really good thing is that you don't have to read the book. You can just watch Ben, you get the notes, and then from then on, you can pretend that you've read it. And if anyone challenges you and says, oh yeah, what happened in that book? Well, you've got the notes and you can impress them that way. So sign up for the Third Thursday Book Club at thirdthursdaybookclub.com to get Ben's notes sent straight to your inbox for Tale of Two Cities and set a reminder to join the conversation tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern. Also, as you all well know at this point, The Daily Wire does not stop creating awesome new content, and we're super excited about our latest docuseries, Fauci Unmasked. The show exposes the most successful failure in government history, Dr. Anthony Fauci, hosted by our very own Michael Knowles. He'll peel back the mask on Fauci's past and show the world's leading, quote, scientist for what he really is, a fraud. The second episode dropped this morning and reveals just how ineffectively the world's leading disease expert handled every crisis from swine flu to anthrax and everything in between. Uh, just to get a taste of it, here's a quick sneak peek. He's the highest paid employee in our federal government. And beginning in the spring of 2020, Dr. Fauci began to set national policy that affected the way that 330 million Americans lived their lives. For goodness sakes, I'm telling you wear a mask, keep social distancing. There's nothing political about that. But who is Anthony Fauci? People who have conspiracy theories, those are people that don't particularly care for me. In this short series, we will do what the establishment media have refused to do. We will give you an unvarnished look at the career of the most powerful politician in America, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Don't you think it's time that you step down and let someone else who has a more effective message? <laughs> Actually, no. <laughs> the latest part of the three-part series drops tomorrow, and it's available exclusively at The Daily Wire. If you're not a member yet, head to dailywire.com slash subscribe to join today. The show is excellent, and since we're only adding more content every day, you don't want to miss it, so make sure... You go check that out. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. Well, as previously mentioned, or maybe threatened, the daily cancellation today begins with a musical tribute from the admittedly quite talented John um, Odr Odranzik. Is that how you pronounce it? 
on Jurassic, whatever. His stage name is Five for Fighting. Um, he wrote this song called Can One Man Save the World for and about President Zelensky in Ukraine. It's been shared all over social media and hailed by many people, including many conservatives, some of whom I respect, as a stirring, beautiful, and well-deserved homage to the leader of Ukraine. Newsweek catalogued some of these tearful reactions in an article headline, Can One Man Save the World? Song about Zelensky takes internet by storm. The article notes that um, the singer has performed the song on television as well, and everywhere it's played, the audience becomes overwhelmed with warm emotions. Now, you can decide for yourself whether it's worthy of that sort of reaction. Let's take a listen. Who is this comedian, his audience, more mice than men, this Superman, Ukrainian, I don't know. Great grandson of the Holocaust, an eastern heart the West has lost, nail or carry up his cross, I don't know. But he's got everyone thinking Yeah, he's got all of us thinking Can one man save the world in a thousand years? Will they say your name or is this all in vain? Can one man save the world? Will you take All right, so it's possible that I'm hearing things hallucinating, but I could have sworn that the song presents Zelensky as Superman, Christ carrying his cross, and a Messiah who can save the whole world. And that's just the first verse. I didn't listen to the rest of it, but I assume it ends with a modified version of the Lord's Prayer, you know, our Zelensky, which art in Ukraine. Now, I agree with the general consensus that it is, is good and, and admirable for Zelensky to stay and fight for his country. That's great. Of course, the only other option, right, is to abandon your country and flee into the night, which would be an act of unspeakable cowardice. So Zelensky has chosen not to be an unspeakable coward, and that's good. Um, doesn't make him Jesus Christ, though, or Superman. And it's important to point that out, not for the sake of cheap cynicism, but for one thing, because the Zelensky adulation was already teetering on the edge of sacrilege and deification, and has officially fallen over that edge now and is, 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 is in a state of blasphemous freefall. I shouldn't need to explain why, you know, talking about political leaders this way is, to borrow a favorite leftist buzzword, problematic, um, especially from a moral and theological perspective. But, you know, apparently we do. And for another thing, when you hail somebody as a blameless hero, a literal Superman, a savior figure who's fighting to save the world and redeem all of mankind, as many people have done with Zelensky, and not just through this song, You've made it impossible to think critically about him, about what he's doing and saying, and especially about what he wants us to do for his sake. This, this is a perilous moment for the world. Things could go any number of different ways, and, and some of them bad, and some of them very, very extremely catastrophically bad. We are in a position where nothing really good is going to happen, but it's a question of how bad is it going to be. What we need now in a moment like this are sober minds and people who are capable of careful reflection. We need prudence. But that's out the window when you're literally bowing at the feet of one of the people involved and worshiping him as some kind of demigod, a deity made flesh. This kind of thing is not just cringy and annoying, though it is that. 
It's also the sort of thoughtless, hysterical, overzealous, emotionally driven mentality that leads people to do very stupid things. Now, as a general rule, there's absolutely nothing good that ever comes out of making supermen out of political figures. And there's especially nothing good that, uh, especially nothing good that comes of it when you do that during wartime of all times. Now, if we can keep our wits about us and stop with the slack-jawed drooling over Zelensky, stop being a bunch of fangirls treating a foreign politician like he's a pop star in concert and we're in the front row reaching out our hands and hoping that he, that he touches us, if we can knock that off and be grown adults for a change, then I think maybe this is the picture of Zelensky that might take shape. He's a political leader whose country has been invaded. He's trying to fight to defend his home. That's good. Beyond that, most of us don't really know anything else about him. Most of us had never heard his name or thought about him for even a second prior to three weeks ago. What else has he done in Ukraine? What is his personal history? Um, what was his role in the lead-up to this conflict? These are details that the vast majority of Americans don't have. The lack of information, as always, should be reason for caution, not reason for assuming that everything we don't know must not matter, because if it did, we would know it. But here's something else that we do know about Zelensky. He is actively pushing to get us involved in a conflict which would certainly lead to thousands of our sons and daughters dying and might lead to many more deaths than that, potentially millions of deaths. Zelensky wants us to incur those costs, wants us to sacrifice our children's lives, potentially, for him and for his country and for his people. There's no reason to think that he would do the same for us, but he wants us to do that for him. Now, you can't blame him for wanting this kind of assistance. You can't blame him for caring more about Ukraine and his people than he does about the United States and our people. Most, of the, most people in this country obviously don't blame him for that, and neither do I. And yet the same people in the U.S. who don't blame Zelensky for caring more about Ukraine than the United States do blame Americans who care more about the United States than Ukraine. It's completely perverse and backwards. According to these sad, self-loathing patsies, the only people in the whole world who should not prioritize their own nation's safety over the safety of other nations are Americans. Everybody else can put their people first. We cannot. This kind of confused thinking only becomes worse and, and, uh, and more confused when you mix it with the deification of foreign leaders. Zelensky wants us to sacrifice an indefinite number of American lives for him. If we insist on seeing Zelensky as a faultless martyr, as a saint, a sort of cinematic protagonist, then we're not going to be able to evaluate those demands with the clear-headed, temperate disposition that's required. We're likely to march our way into bloodshed and suffering and death with our eyes not open but closed, imagining some sort of fantasy scenario that's only vaguely related to the real world. One other point. Every time I make this argument, um, I'm accused of lacking compassion for the suffering people of Ukraine. Just as one example, yesterday a guy named Noam Blum, an allegedly conservative media figure, took me to task on Twitter writing, quote, if Matt Walsh were capable of spending a tenth of the emotional energy he does being pissy at Zelensky on showing some legitimately passionate, passionate human empathy to the suffering going on, he wouldn't be Matt Walsh, I guess. I guess for Blum and many others, um, I haven't spent nearly enough time tweeting hashtags about how I stand with Ukraine. I've ruthlessly refused to put a Ukrainian flag in my bio or buy a Ukrainian flag t-shirt. Lots of other people have done this. You know, I'm not sure why I need to do it too. 
That's one thing I don't understand. If, if you see everyone doing and saying something, why do you need, if there's a couple people not doing it, like, what do you need them for? Is there, not, is there not enough of that already? I'm not sure what it achieves or how any of this virtue signaling helps the people of Ukraine. Yeah, I mean, I could, I could uh, diffuse that criticism by just tweeting out hashtag I stand with Ukraine. Okay, what does that do? Who does that help? Except me, I guess, in that I can display my virtue. I don't see that it helps anything. And at any rate, my focus is on making sure that America doesn't get sucked into a conflict that could spread that misery and suffering to our shores. And that's not selfishness on my part because it's not just myself that I'm worried about. I'm worried about America and Americans. It's not a me first mentality. It's an America first mentality. And we as Americans must have that attitude because if we don't prioritize our own people's safety and security, then nobody else will. But I must also note that as Blum attacks me for not saying enough publicly about the suffering people of Ukraine, he himself has, so far as I can tell, never said anything at all about the suffering people of Mozambique. That's also a war-torn country where many innocent men, women, and children live amid violence and untold misery. Literally untold misery because nobody talks about it. Nobody talks about the vast majority of the victims of genocide and war and violence and disease across the planet. What's happening in Ukraine right now, I got to tell you, is not the first war we've seen in recent times, even this year. Well, do those people not count? Are they less important? See, if you only express compassion and empathy for the suffering people in countries that get American media attention... You might want to consider the possibility that your compassion and empathy are completely fake and meaningless. You feel intense compassion for whichever group of people the media is talking about, and then you stop thinking about them the second the news cycle moves on to somebody else. You get caught up in these waves, and then you have the audacity to get self-righteous about it, blaming others for not virtue signaling as enthusiastically as you are. It's absurd, but it's worse than absurd. Because this wave we're in right now is threatening to send us crashing into a world war. And then we'll really see some death and suffering. Much closer to home. And that's why empty virtue signaling and Zelensky worship are both today, I must say, canceled. And we'll leave it there for today. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager, Pavel Vodowski. Our associate producer is McKenna Waters. The show is edited by Robbie Dantzler. Our audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. And hair and makeup is done by Cherokee Hart. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Today on the Ben Shapiro Show, the Federal Reserve signals a bevy of rate hikes coming as the economy teeters on the brink of recession. Plus, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky begs for more help as the Russian offensive continues to stall. That's today on the Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen. Mm-hmm.